Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside episode 187 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And oh boy, look out. Renegotiations ahead for the NHL, the NHLPA. It's not all daisies as we try to get hockey back on the ice. We'll break down the details, the latest from LeBron. We'll also chat sends in Europe. One has scored his first goal of the season who will ask Pilsy plus the documentary of the year yes we are naming it documentary maybe of the decade the lead up to Timmy Stutzla becoming an Ottawa center shout out to Magenta Sports for producing that and shout out to whoever closed captioned it in English all that and more this is the Locked On Senators podcast your team every day Today is Friday, November 20th, and a superstar belongs on the big screen, and it was great to see Timmy Stutzla on YouTube last night. Yeah, what a fun documentary, like the 24 hours leading up to when he was drafted. And uh, Ross, I want to ask you, how how much has your German improved? Do you watch the whole thing in German before being notified that closed captions were available? Yeah, so I watched it twice based on the fact you just brought up. Now, on my TV, it said subtitles, right? I know CC. I'm not born yesterday. But the subtitles said German or only German. So I thought that they were both German. I don't know why. Maybe German has two languages, East, West Germany. I know that's not a thing anymore, but who knows? You know about umlauts, though. I know all about umlauts and stick taps to you. We didn't mention on yesterday's show the jersey is looking sharp from the people who voted at Cent Central. They didn't know they were getting that little bonus. The German heritage shining through for Pilsy getting the umlaut. But there's a lot of umlauts that I heard. I think I can pick it out <laughs> of the audio. But my main takeaway was what his teammates think of him. And you could get that no matter what language they were speaking. Because, well, it was even better actually with the uh, closed caption because one of his teammates said he skates like a young god. And that was an amazing caption. But just the, the passion they speak, David Wolf, especially a veteran who had come over and played a game in Calgary. But just these older veterans on Mannheim seem to really, um, you know, gravitate towards Tim. Definitely. And I think that speaks to Tim's character, too. Here we go talking about character sends draft picks. So what a surprise. But like, I could see a scenario where. Look, these, these are DEL guys. This, for a lot of these guys, is the pinnacle of their career, right? They know they're probably not going to get much more success than the DEL. And then you got this 17-year-old kid coming in and lighting it up, and he's going to get drafted. You know, there could be some bitterness, some jealousy, but they all seem to really buy into what he's doing and really support him. And, you know, they keep it lighthearted, too. Like, I thought it was funny when they were playing indoor soccer. Such a German thing to do, too, all meet and play soccer inside. But... Um, when they were talking about the draft and he was saying, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to get picked. And the one, his one teammate's like, geez, 
hold on, we have to wait and see if you even get picked. Like you're talking about going first and second overall, you may not even get picked. And he thought that was pretty funny. And they're chirping each other on the golf course, you know, classic guy stuff. So I thought that was cool to get a kind of glimpse into what that day was like, especially since this was not normal draft day circumstances. If you haven't seen the documentary yet, it's available on YouTube. And as Pilsy mentioned, make sure you throw those English subtitles on there's some humor in it as well uh him trying to get his golf shoes out of a car that's in the middle yeah that was hilarious that was the weirdest part for me but hey it generated some laughs they knew what they were doing too there was like that carnival music playing in the background as well what i kept thinking is the I'm not sure what the lady's position was, but she obviously worked for the dealership is just watching him do this. Like, why not be like, Oh, Hey, like hold up that on that car wash. <laughs> like he's got to get his shoes out of there instead of him dancing in and out of a car wash. That was pretty funny. I also thought it was funny and kind of weird when they're talking to his parents and Tim just gets out of the shower and his dad is like, Hey Tim, like come here, <laughs> come here in your boxers and tell us about how you decided not to uh, go with us and go to school. And you decided to do something else. And then he's just awkwardly standing there in his underwear. I thought they probably could have done that one a little differently, but Hey, they're really trying to show the 24 hours leading up to it. And uh, we got to see a lot. I thought that was cool. That bar that they went to and, I got a good laugh too. One of his buddies when Byfield went to LA was like, oh, thank God you're not going there. Otherwise they might send you to Berlin. Yeah, that was amazing. Berlin is like the Toronto of um, Germany. Everyone's like, oh, that big city. They all think they're so important. Like last thing you want to do is go over there. Like stay, stay over in Mannheim. It's way better. Yeah, and if you don't directly understand the reference pills he's making there, the owner of the LA Kings also owns the Berlin Ice Baron and therefore has sent... A five, I believe. I think some have come back since. But basically, if you were a Kings prospect and you wanted to play hockey, Berlin was your destination. Yeah, Berlin bound. There you go. But Timmy Stutzla, an Ottawa senator, that's the most important thing. And you'll love that his teammates, especially David Wolf, is who I keep going back to because I feel like they had a close bond. And David Wolf is the biggest guy on the team as well. I feel like he stood up for Timmy on the ice a ton as well. But he can also play. Uh, What he said is he hoped Ottawa would be the place because it's the best fit. Would you agree that Stutzla fits in better in Ottawa than he would have in LA? I think if you're a young prospect and sure, when they had a little moment too, where they were looking at the three teams, LA, New York, and Ottawa, and they're very excited about the ideas of going to New York city and LA. Obviously. I mean, two of the greatest most fun cities in North America and then Ottawa they're just kind of like yeah I heard nice things about it but if you're looking at this from an organizational standpoint you you have such a good no one like Craig Button said himself no one has a deeper prospect pool than the Ottawa Senators so if you're a young star player you want to know that you're going to have that talent around you growing with you and hopefully uh, building a culture with those guys and sticking around for a long time so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of validation to that point that Ottawa is a good place and I mean this is a little biased but if I was a young guy looking to start a new career and I had the option to go to the United States or Canada I'd be pretty excited about the prospect of going to Canada in these times. Yeah, no doubt about that. And something else that I like about Timmy Stutzla is within his game that he's going to make those other sense prospects even better because he's a facilitator. He gets players to puck in their spot. And who's that going to benefit most? Is it Drake Batherson, a guy who also has great vision but good finishing ability? If he plays the wing, is it Josh Norris and his shoot-first mentality? 
there's just so many possibilities. Even Igor. Igor can shoot the puck with the best of them. He just needs to find his open spots on the ice. And Stutzla's agility will help him get to those places. So a ton of excitement coming up. Hey, maybe it's Jonathan Davidson he's setting up one day. But Jonathan Davidson is our feature player in today's Sends in Europe because he, I don't want to say finally, he was the latest to go over to Europe, but he is officially on the scoreboard. A beauty. Could have been a baseball player. Yeah, and uh, shout out Davidson. That's good positioning. He's right in front of the net going for that puck. He bats in the rebound, like you were saying, and scores the OT winner for Vastervix. And he had an assist as well. So those are his first two points in five games. I think this is a very crucial time for Jonathan Davidson. He really got washed over last year by all the other prospects. Mind you, not all his fault. He was kind of the guy that got called up in a position where he probably wasn't ready to play NHL. He hung around the NHL for a while, didn't get a lot of games in. Then he got hurt. So it's just a rough year for him. So I think he really needs to get a big boost over here in Sweden, show this team why they traded for him from Columbus. And I think we could see a nice player here. But my, my idea of Jonathan Davidson has definitely gone down since the Sens acquired him. So I'm hoping that he can bring that back up and we see a talented player over in Sweden. I'm glad you mentioned the fact that he was up. He did get six games in Ottawa, but when you're up for as long as he was, healthy scratch for a little while as well, and Belleville's rolling the way they are, when he got into the Belleville lineup for the 18 games he did, I don't think he played in the top six for one game. There was just too much talent ahead of him, and he was stuck in that third, even a fourth-line role, game in and game out. Sure, he was killing penalties, and I think that if he plays at the NHL, that's what he's going to have to focus on is the defensive aspect. He has good speed. He has good awareness in his own zone. But what are you going to do offensively? And there were signs that he has offensive ability. Like Guys don't put up double-digit points in, in the SHL as teenagers without having a bit of offense to their game. Like he even had 31 points in 52 games in the SHL. Like That's pretty impressive, and that was as a 20-year-old. But even still – I don't think the clock is done on Jonathan Davidson, but he is one of those guys. And when we get closer to camp, we're going to have a show dedicated to this, but a make or break year for Jonathan Davidson. You agree with that sentiment? Absolutely. But here's where I find it hard for it it to be an opportunity to be a make or break year. You said last season, he didn't crack the top six in Belleville. I have a hard time seeing him top the crack six in Belleville this year, even, you know what I mean? Like that's going to be a talented team. Not there's we're seeing spots get eaten up in, in the Ottawa's uh, roster. As we go along here, there's less and less spots for prospects, meaning more of those top guys like Formanton, Abramov, et cetera, are going to be in Belleville. And those are the guys that are going to get the top six minutes for sure. Yeah. I want to be clear that I don't mean he has to play in the NHL for this to be a make or break year. But if he can't show that he's a top six player in Belleville, then it's time to move on from him, right? But while a good showing in the AHL, I think is enough for Jonathan Davidson to merit another year in Ottawa. It's time to see what we have in Rudy Balsers at the NHL level. He's playing a couple levels below that right now in Denmark, but he also found his way on the score sheet yesterday. Yeah, well, Rudy's in Norway, but I mean... Very, very similar. So I won't, uh, I won't judge you too much for that. With that, where, where's the Flyers farm team play? Lehigh Valley. Their East Coast team. Adirondack. Hey, Easy. there you go. Easy. Anyways, Rudolph Balsers. I would. Speaking of Rudolph Balsers, I would love to see like 
I mean, I don't know how we would have access to this, but a shift-by-shift tape of him playing center. Like, that just fascinates me. Him Get on the, get on the next boat to uh, Norway. Yeah, maybe I will head over to Stavanger myself and see what it's all about. Scouting but, trip. <laughs> yeah, that, that's after my Finnish uh, scouting trip that I was supposed to do so I could know all these U20 players. The What's Finnish going on with Carolina? <laughs> yeah, we haven't heard about him for a while, but I want to stick on Rudy here. We're getting off track. So... He, he scored the game-winning goal and had an assist, similar to Davidson, actually. So a nice uh, last game for both of those guys. And like I've said before, this guy is going to dominate that league in Norway. I mean, he was playing with the Stavanger Oilers like four or five years ago and doing pretty well. So now he's definitely equipped to do that and playing out of position now in center. So that's going to be interesting. But you mentioned it's time for Rudolf Balsers to get a chance in the NHL. And damn, do I agree. I think he's... He's done everything he can to show he's done with Belleville. And like I I mentioned a couple times, I really see him. I would love to see him in a third-line role. Balsers, Brown, Batherson, I think would be such a great line. And I think that gives all three of them the chances and opportunities they need while giving them the comfort and chemistry they've known playing with each other in Belleville. So it'll be really interesting to see where Rudolph Balsers uh, kind of fits into this organization this season. Two intriguing prospects. Great to see them each with a goal and an assist. You know that the Locked On Senators podcast, it's your daily home for Ottawa and Belleville Senators content. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Tell a friend, too. Always appreciate that. Download, subscribe, and make sure to leave a review. How funny was the last one, Pillsy? And we appreciate all reviews, but are we getting to a point where people prefer our old stuff better than our new stuff? I I didn't think we would get to this point, but yeah, I don't know who, who the guy, I don't know the review uh, pulled up right now, but basically the guy was saying, oh man, I miss making sense of the sense. Like that was so much better. You had Sean Donovan in the intro. The the guys were, I don't know, more casual or whatever back then. So we're at a point, we're like, we're like artists now where you listen to all their old stuff in high school and you're like, man, this is my jam. And then they sell out just like we're selling out and <laughs> we're selling out for those built bars. And they're like, man, your old stuff was so much better. You know what? I'll take that as a compliment. Call it range. We've come a long way. Hey, no, that's awesome. And we do appreciate the review nonetheless. So make sure to subscribe, download, review. And we also appreciate hockey coming back. Yes, the first of many NCAA players. It begins tonight for Angus Crookshank. Pilsy, what are some overall expectations for you in his junior year with UNH? I mean, tough to say. Angus Crookshank, other than his kick-ass name, like doesn't doesn't get mentioned a lot. He kind of that's another guy that kind of gets washed over in the sense system here. But I'm just l- looking to see what this kid's got. Like now that we're definitely going to be buying that college package, that's for sure. We're going to be watching a lot of those hockey games. But I just want to see what this kid can bring to the table. And I'm sure I don't really know the team around him, but I'm sure he's going to have a pretty good, significant role here. Yeah, he's going to have a huge role. He had 16 goals in 34 games last year, although Cy Young candidate, only six helpers, 39 penalty minutes as well. I'm really excited to see him lead the charge for UNH. Hey, uh, back to the documentary. How crazy was it when his mom said that UNH was a place they were looking for Stutzla to go? Imagine Stutzla and Crookshank, teammates in UNH. That'd be great. I mean, uh, Dorian would probably have him going to Nodak somehow. The transfer would be happening. Let's not kid ourselves here. But uh, yeah, that would have been what what a different world that would be if uh, Stutzla doesn't play in the DEL and goes to university instead. Very interesting. But I think honestly, I think he made the right choice going to the DEL. 
Yeah, I think so as well. And Cruikshank made the right decision to go back to school, although I never thought it would be an option otherwise. After this year, though, all bets are off. We could be seeing Cruikshank turning pro. So keep an eye on that name. He's with the University of New Hampshire, and they begin their hockey E season tonight, whereas everyone's waiting for Nodak. December 2nd, a reminder, December 2nd, they start an NHL-style schedule for a two-and-a-half-week period where they're playing every other night. We're hopeful to see NHL hockey every other night come January, but after LeBron's latest, I don't know how confident I am. It sounds like there's a lot of negotiating going on. Hilsey, simple question. I don't even expect you really to have an answer, but how can the NHL come to the PA only months after signing an, uh, an extension to the CBA? I mean, like, nah, we want to amend this. Like, isn't a deal a deal? This is so tough because I see it from both sides. I want, I want to say emotionally I'm more with the players, but I get what the owners are doing here. Like the players are like, we, we just hashed out this deal. We already compromised so much. And now you're saying like, let's go back on it. What's the point? If we make this deal, who's to say three months, you're going to be like, no, let's go back on that deal as well. So I don't blame the players for being upset here, but also like this is, the owners are trying to do what they can do to, to hold the teams and hold the NHL in balance here. Like they're losing revenue left, right, and center. And sure, these are billionaires. I don't feel sorry for them if they lose a bit of money and have to sell their, their fifth condo in LA that they visit once a year when, when the weather is bad in New York or whatever. I don't feel sorry for those guys. But the owners are saying, look, we need to uphold this league and we're losing so much money. And I think the biggest thing that I got out of uh, Pierre Lebrun's article on the, on the athletic, if you haven't read it yet, read it for sure. A big thing is the NHL isn't asking for pro rated salaries, but they're asking to defer the money, but the players have already agreed to defer 10% of their salaries. And now the owners want them to defer 16% on top of that. That's a quarter of your salary not being paid. And Look, these NHL guys have bills. I'm sure some of the some of the guys who are in their first deals, they got mortgages, they got things to worry about. They can't afford to have a quarter of their salaries paid three years later. So this is a tough situation. And especially when we're talking about billionaires asking millionaires to give them a break when millions of people are out of work, like they don't even have a job. So it's hard to even have any sort of compassion for any of these guys. Yeah, I like how you compared billionaires to millionaires. But how about the tweeners, the guys who really rely on a minimum salary at the NHL and you're already being taxed so much? It's, it's a lot less than the number that you see on signing day that actually goes in these players' pockets. So to ask them to defer 26% when escrow's this high, I'm not a financial guy, I don't pretend to be, but that to me is asking a lot of these players who then – just feel a bit betrayed because they negotiated in such good faith to get in to a bubble where they didn't get to see their families for two and a half months. They did that knowing that this CBA was going forward. Now to pull that out rug out from under them, I think is, is a bit, you know, rude in, in a sense. Now I know finances and, and uh, the, whether you're being rude or friendly, they don't always go hand in hand, but I, I don't see how this is going to end well. Although, the bottom line is nobody's making any money if they don't play. So I think that's the saving grace here, Pilsy. But to me, January 1st is completely out of the window. And is that a good thing, at least from a sense perspective? I don't need to have this background talk about whether Stutzla should sign, go to the World Juniors, go to the World Juniors, period. 
we don't don't even have the NHL to to go with. Like start camp January fourth. That's the Monday after the long weekend. Have Stutzla coming off a, an unbelievable performance, feeling good about his hand, and then come into camp. So I'm hopeful for a mid-January regular season start. When do you think we could see NHL hockey back? Honestly, I have no clue, but I'm kind of with you. The The idea and the, the drive to get it started January 1st doesn't really make a lot of sense for me right now, especially when you're looking at those teams that were promised extended training camps. Like, we're running out of time here. The clock is ticking. Like, I think it's much better to leave it later, make sure you can get this done right, then, then do what – and not I'm not uh, talking bad about the queue, but look at what the queue did. They're like, we're just going to start and see what happens. That didn't go so well. Now they're having to make all these new plans, form bubbles, different teams are playing, uh, makeup games. That's the last thing you want. You want it to be ready to go smoothly when you start, not start and hope it goes smoothly and fix it later. Yeah, those are all fair points. What I'll say is the pressure is on from the NBA because they are so organized. They know they're starting December 22nd. And every day the NBA is on that the NHL doesn't have a plan, it looks worse and worse on them. Because how can these people under the same circumstance make it happen? And the answer could be TV deals. I understand that. The NHL needs fans in the building, at least to an extent. But there has to be some sort of middle ground. And whether it's a situation where it evolves throughout the season, like UND is doing. There's a bubble right now, but they have games scheduled at their home rink come New Year. So there's so much to be had and vaccines and rapid testing. What's really on the horizon and what is being used politically? And maybe it's a bit further down the line than we think. Who knows? It seems like a lot is up in the air, but um, I don't know. I don't know, Pilsy. Hopefully we get hockey back sooner than later. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And uh, at least, hey, at least, like, imagine um, being, like, a contending team, like, let's say the Dallas Stars. You almost won the Stanley Cup, so you don't have that, that glory to sit on. And you don't have the prospect pool that is going to be playing in, in college, in uh, the CHL, overseas. Like Washington like, comes to mind. Yeah, exactly. Like, teams with no prospects. like San Jose, got- even though they finished third last. <laughs> Those fools. Those Thanks, fools. Kyle. Yeah. Um, hey, that could be a fun topic for tomorrow. And we're going to do our Sense Central Citizen Saturday. We have Steve on Sense. Wow, that's a, a mouthful of S's there. But I think that's a fun topic for tomorrow. Which teams are hurting the most from this long pause? I think that's going to be fun. Because if you flip the question, I'd say Ottawa probably benefits the most out of any team. Big time, big time. Yeah, you're you're getting like free development. Uh, we talked. Rachel Rachel Dory told us all about this development. Like especially teams that don't have a lot of money that they can put into development, scouting, etc. Like they're getting free development from Nodak, from all these Swedish teams, Eels. from Eels. Like what a what a way to usher in your new prospects by having them stay in their home countries, be comfortable and keep developing their skills. Like really, I like you said, it's kind of weird, but this pandemic has in a way benefited the Ottawa Senators. We'll get into who it's hurt the most tomorrow, but for today we say goodbye for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.